Hello everyone, this is Amarjeet Sharma and welcome to the Radically Inclusive podcast series, episode 2. Radically Inclusive is a series that is aimed at creating awareness on diversity and inclusion in our day-to-day life and how to identify and raise our voice for everyday issues that we face when it comes to creating inclusion at workplaces. This is the second episode of this series and today I have an awesome guest with me, Vinita Guerra. A quick intro, Vinita is a general manager at Dell India. She is also a DNI influencer, an expert and a strong supporter of inclusion at workplaces. Prior to Dell Technologies, Vinita spent almost a decade at BMC Software where she led large engineering teams and before that, she started as a developer at Veritas. Vinita is a big proponent of agile methodology of development and also a very strong people-focused leader. She is also a certified leadership coach and believes in harnessing the potential of people and teams to create magic. I am beyond excited to talk to you, Vinita, and looking forward to all that you have to share with the listeners today. Thank you so much, Vinita, for agreeing to be a part of this second episode. It's my privilege. Thanks for inviting me to this podcast. It's a topic very close to my heart. So when you said we are doing this, I was very excited. So thank you. Same here. So Vinita, in the past, we've talked a lot uh, in detail about how inclusion plays an integral part in organization. This is 2021, and it's quite fair to say uh, that we've crossed that chasm of defining inclusion in many workplaces. In your experience, you've been doing this work for the last many years. How do we now take this forward to the next level where it starts becoming a way of life? Yes, and you're right. By 2020, when I reflect back, we've done a lot of work on the definition, but I still feel the definition will also evolve as we proceed and make this a way of life. So it's never going to be done. We may keep looping back to the definition and expanding it. On it becoming the way of life, I personally get a little pessimistic sometimes because there is so much to be done. So pessimistic in a nice, restless way to say that we don't want to rest on this topic. We want to, we don't want to mark it as a checkbox and say it's completed. We have to keep going and we'll discover more and for it to become a way of life, like you said, I think we learn new things. Each of us, as we go ahead, we'll uncover a few things. But it's really, I personally feel it's really incumbent upon all of us to take it ahead uh, even more faster. And so much work has been done by our predecessors. If you you see and go back in history, we owe it to every person before us who brought in the changes that we really enjoy today. As an Indian woman, I know there was someone who fought things like dress code. And the reason I can wear pants to work today without being, you know, looked at or judged is because years back, someone made that happen. So so we have a long way to go. And I personally won't have it any other way and do everything I can to become more inclusive myself and also influence the ecosystem to become more uh, inclusive. So when I think about how do we do this in the organizational context, uh, I think a portion of that will happen naturally, right, as it has been for uh, generations. But for it to happen faster, first, we need as many hands as possible on the deck. We need we need champions like us. We, we need more, right? More the better in this case. 
and if we can influence more people to be champions uh, and and really you're doing that through the podcast i'm hoping that people who listen feel the need and become a champion sure. but, but if i were to put a some sort of a framework in my mind on you know how this can be done hmm. very simply i look at it as uh, four steps and all going cyclic one after the other in different stages okay. and an almost a repeat mode for a long time and out of those first four steps the first one being the most important one which is awareness and education yeah i think this is a loaded step right it's beyond the organizational programs that we put in place we we absolutely need those they are the sure. like the foundation but it's the smaller aha moments making each other aware having conversations right talking about it openly not being uncomfortable about it right. highlighting the benefits of inclusion a lot of empathy building and much more i think that's in my mind what we call you know awareness and education it's like i said uh, the biggest hurdle if we resolve that once i'm aware i can do so much more absolutely yeah and to me the base of this awareness is first doing like when i was get and i think it's a constant process like i said i'm constantly getting more and more aware it's never done but when i thought about this topic i realized i was only thinking about it from a gender perspective because i was so actively involved in the gender part but to me if i have to become more empathetic right towards any other group whether let, let me for the benefit of uh this conversation say any minority group right whether it right. is persons with disability or socio economic status or color or whatever hmm. i think i have to first do a check on how privileged i am and i'd want to do a check on how privileged i am by asking myself would i be born as someone else and if right. my answer is no hmm. then i'm higher on the what you call the privilege ladder if you sure. have to draw that up and i do this by asking some men in my ecosystem because when we work on gender Yeah. we know that only women can't solve this we need men along with us to do this so i asked some men in my ecosystem very hypothetically if you were born as a woman of color what do you think and my observation in asking this to about at least a dozen men by now is i see a hesitation usually sure right and that's my moment to highlight that they are born much more privileged and they don't understand it fully because they're not born as a woman hmm. of color so my advice at time to them is it's less of an advice it's more of an awareness building thing that before they go ahead and give an advice to a woman of color on what she should do or shouldn't do empathize in the true sense try going into her shoes understand her journey and even after many attempts you won't fully understand because you've not lived that life and this applies beyond gender of course right i look at myself and see i, I was born to educated parents who ensured i get good formal professional education and didn't have to struggle with it but right. not everyone had this so it's yeah. a privilege so summarizing on the whole awareness and education piece right it's much more than the programs it's the daily things and as an organization we need to enable our team members the program should be focused on enabling our team members to have the skills to discuss these polarizing topics look for who's being left out what are we not considering and we need to constantly keep asking ourselves have we thought of these cases and and we have to provide a culture such that this inclusion becomes personal for everyone and not an organizational need and that's where i think the gap is today it's more of an organizational need with some champions who've taken it personally right. we can bridge that gap 
I think uh, that's the biggest uh, hurdle that we can start with. There are ones who are the passionate ones, but yet there are still the ones who are completely oblivious to what's happening around them. So it's about being self-aware, but also being aware of your surroundings and the ecosystems and respecting that as well. Absolutely. So the mindset change around is, is sure. what we're looking at. I think the next few steps are easier in my four-step uh, mm-hmm. uh, framework that I'm talking about. The second one is about actionable changes, right? Actual change in organizations, policy changes, and so on. And I'm talking beyond changes like numbers around diversity and targets. Those are important. But ground-level changes, right? And uh, as an example, we did a simple thing two years back, like we had gender-neutral washrooms, which was really ahead of its time with centers in India. Or things like sign language experts or interpreters at all our meetings, uh, where we have a large group meeting, or or even if it's a small group meeting where we have people with disabilities. So many changes at the level of, you know, each meeting, each each dinner, each offsite. We had a person with disability on my team, and first thing that we look for when we had to do a team offsite is accessibility because it cannot be assumed that the resort or wherever we are going is accessible. So a lot of these actionable changes have to you know, seep in completely into our system. And the third is celebrating it, right? Celebrating what we've achieved, celebrating the differences and talking about it outside. Most organizations will only have your DNI leader talk about it outside, but I think that's where the landscape is changing. That every employee or every champion or every person who's playing a role in expanding the inclusivity should be able to uh, talk about it with a sense of pride and celebrate, tell your family about it and, and so on. So celebration in various other ways than you know the awards that the company may receive for doing the work. And finally, take stock. Is it working? Did we overdo someone? Did we miss someone? Did we start a reverse bias in the attempt of overcorrecting? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's happening. If you see on the gender part of it, they're all remote now, so the water cooler discussions are not so many. But back in just last year, I remember taking a few minutes and doing this water cooler discussion with people who thought that we are only going to hire women now because right. it's important that they don't feel left out and there's Absolutely. no quota, there's correction happening. We need all hands at the table. So, so just just the dialogue around how and assertively discussing why this is being done, right? Versus the intention is not to leave anyone out. Help. So taking stock is important. So really that's the, my four-step thing, build awareness and education have actionable changes, celebrate differences, and finally take stock. And keep repeating in the loop uh, because this may happen at different stages. I think this is so clearly put up in these steps because you miss one, you miss that beat. And it's so important that as much as awareness is important, equally important is to taking stock as the last step. Where And I'm glad that you brought out the example of water cooler discussions. And that kind of just gives me a segue uh, to the next topic that I wanted to get your opinion on. When we talk about uh, organizational culture and uh, the language uh, that everyone speaks within the official setting and also outside the official setting, we've heard a lot about microaggressions and for everyone's benefit, as some of us may know, microaggressions is a term used for uh, brief and commonplace daily verbal or behavioral indignities, Uh, whether intentional or unintentional. uh, It just communicates hostile and derogatory or negative attitudes towards uh, marginalized groups. 
So just wanted to understand from you, how do microaggressions play a major part in impacting the well-being at a workplace? And when these microaggressions happen, how do we create the organizational space for such issues to be addressed? Yes, super important and in a very difficult topic, if I may say, because right. of its roots in psychology and conditioning and value differences, right? A uh, major reason why these exist today is because how we've all been uh, conditioned very differently. It's absolutely not an easy problem to solve. No. Uh, at the same time, I think the world is beautiful because of the differences, right? Sometimes the differences are so stark and so core that they will manifest themselves as microaggressions. And that is that is the fundamental problem. Right. Uh, and a lot is about what's going on in the world right now. And, and, and I'll come to that in a, uh, in a minute. But mm-hmm. at organizations, it may be happening when no one is watching or witnessing. Yes. It may not happen in a team meeting. It might be happening when there's just a one-on-one conversation happening. Sure. Uh, it also may not be happening in so many words. It could be happening very silently. It may just manifest in a way that the person may feel it's a bias, And but it could be anything. So the tricky part about microaggressions is how do you prove it? So hmm. even if and most organizations, including uh, Dell, has a framework where if you feel left out and if you feel you're being treated differently because of who you are and and let's let's call it the micro inequities and it's every day causing you to feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. you have a framework where you can bring this up you can discuss it and you can discuss with whether it's hr or your skip level manager or whoever yeah but sadly there are two versions always right it's hard for even organization to see whether it's a pattern or is it a specific example and the conclusion on what's happening over there can be very hard. Yeah. Uh, and i quickly take an example of somebody who was discussing with me that she's feeling left out from initiatives and she's feeling overall sidelined. Mm-hmm. And she thought that it could be because uh, one of her gender, second, because of her style of working and so on. And in having a discussion with her manager, what came out was, no, it's really a performance issue. That's about it. Uh, now, having heard both sides, because mm-hmm. this is more more informal discussion, I still don't know where the truth is. I don't know if it's actually a bias manifesting itself and performance issues are covered that the manager is providing, or is it actually a performance issue as an outsider? I don't know. And that's the tricky part of it for organizations to solve. How much ever you investigate, it's going to be a little tricky. So having said that, I feel parity begins at home, right? Change. Yes change yourself first, right? Promote a culture of calling out, I'm uncomfortable with this. And it reminds me of a story which is really old, but it still has stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll quickly share that with you, Amar. This is about 15 years back. I was really young in my career and we were very good friends with our team members, very informal, you know, still in that phase of taking life very casually and being a little informal when it comes to workplace. Uh, right celebrations so there was a birthday being celebrated and since we were all so comfortable with each other it it was a a woman on the team her birthday and everyone was smudging cake on her face and the cake was all over and people were just having fun yeah and there was in that same it was at an offside that it was her birthday so we took a cake for her and in the same meeting we had a global leader our business unit leader actually uh, visiting from the u.s 
and he became very uncomfortable so he brought it out he said i don't think you should do this and we didn't understand we were like what's the problem she's our friend just throwing cake on her face and we're just having fun but he tried to tell us that this is not right we ignored him because we were really uh, having fun right. and then he did another thing he left the room he said look you carry on i can't witness this and he left the room and i didn't think so much about it i think we just casually laughed it off that saying it's just a cultural difference and so on now when i think about it forget the cake example i i try to now implement what i saw 15 years back that if i see a microaggression in front of me happening and it could be smaller things it could be language like you said earlier it could be just a joke on a the classic jokes on a particular community or a classic joke marriage jokes or or right. gender sometimes we really really take them very casually i bring in the organizational context at least i bring it out that this may not be appropriate for everyone and how do you think one can call out such behaviors it is tricky because you could get labeled for being very stuck up but i think in the organizational context it's important we don't want to assume that joke was not offensive to anyone in the room and somebody has to speak up somebody has to bring it up it may put a mask on people a little bit it may put some gaps between people but i'd rather have that versus make people the drawback of that is that the close knit community that we try to build within teams that gets hurt but i'd rather assume that if people are really close to each other and each other they will still work well together but i'd rather not not make that one odd person in the room uncomfortable because of that statement and i was referring earlier to the current differences in the world right the political yes. differences the these topics can be can lead to because people are so radical about the views that right. if your belief and my belief doesn't match we can have a feeling of exclusion so i think we need our leaders at the minimum to be yes. equipped with understanding how if such a topic is discussed because we don't want to avoid all topics also but it doesn't hamper the respect and the relationship whereas it's a rational discussion having said this i think body language is another microaggression that can be visibly there in in our in our conversations that we have to think of it's not researched too much mm-hmm. but just through body language you can feel and we in our lives of so many years of workplace experience we may have felt this at times and i think a little bit about this topic on when that has happened and how you can't put a finger at it how you can't always say this is making me uncomfortable because it's micro so i think we have a lot of work but at the end of the day if we were to solve it we have to bring humanity into it it's it's hard because it's not natural uh, a lot of people are unaware that they are being microaggressive whether it's gender sexuality race just the normal see of of the differences yeah. will help reduce microaggressions absolutely and i think you've aptly put this up in terms of how individuals can do to avoid this is uh, of course being constantly vigilant of your own biases and fears and how can you be an ally by standing personally against all forms of bias and discrimination so that you're advocating an environment which is safe for everyone to be a part of nice word i'm an ally being an ally you don't have to belong to a community to be an ally true, true. absolutely 
Great. And I think this definitely some work organizations are doing uh, to create that allyship in the form of employee resource groups. Uh, and these are like one way for organizations to build community while you're amplifying company values like gender equity, diversity and inclusion and social impact initiatives. And I know you and your uh, experience have done a load of work on ERGs. What are some of your suggestions to build, sustain and excel ERGs in a workplace? Yeah, I think you rightly said we are uh, at Dell ERGs is the fundamental method. They're all around what we call progress made real. It's around inclusion. It's around sustainability. And everything is run as an ERG, whether it is women, we call it a women in action ERG, whether it is LGBTQIA+, which is our pride ERG, whether it's Gen Next, generational differences. In fact, one of the newest ERGs that I'm a part of is Family Balance. It's about, it's about if you're a caregiver, whether you have yeah. an aging parent or a special child, your mental health is equally important in addition to you being a caregiver. So you build a community around it and, and many more ERGs. I'm just naming a few. In fact, one more that I'd like to talk about is Mosaic, which is cultural differences, understanding each of the cultural differences. Right. But but these ERGs, and, and, and to your question, when I joined Dell, these, many of them already existed. Mosaic and Family Balance came into India after I joined, but the framework of ERGs already existed. And I'm thankful to whoever, how many ever people put this together because I'm just seeing it in action completely. The value, we don't even have to sell this to our employees and our team members because everyone knows that uh, the value of being a part of an ERG and what you learn in the process by being an ally or being an active member. And if you belong to that community, is so immense that your overall development happens. And in addition, the company's progress happens. To my point earlier in the first uh, discussion that we had, Amar, was we need as many hands on yes. the table to right. solve this problem. And ERGs is perfect for that. So we, while we run ERGs and uh, through employees, we also track it a little bit to ensure we have enough uh, participation. So we do our checks on how many ERGs, how many members and so on. And those stats, those are simple stats. Those stats tell us how much is the company uh, invested in it. Uh, we've also seen that some come in because their manager asked them to or because their peer asked them to, but after they come in, there is magic that happens. So being a part of that community and doing things, most activities of these ERGs are about the masses, right? So whether you're planting a million trees, you will feel good at the end of the day. You will know you did well because it's all marching towards progress. And all ERGs are very diverse. The women in action ERGs, not just women. The Gen X ERGs led by a person who's in mid 40s. So it's very, it's not like Gen X is only the Gen Z or Gen Y. It's a mixing because we think Gen X is about understanding the Gen Z, but it's about maybe the baby boomers understanding right. Gen Z. So you need everyone at the table. Mosaic is a beautiful one. That one, of course, is, is cultural differences. And when we launched Mosaic in India, we were saying there's so much cultural diversity within India itself and then the larger world. And I think everyone I talk to, we've got thousands of employees in our ERGs at different uh, points, but everyone who I talk to who has been a part of a ERG is so much better a human than they were before they joined us sure. because they just learned so much. 
So I'm thankful this framework already existed. I think every organization should leverage this because these are not problems one specific individual or HR or senior execs or just a specific lead can solve. You need all hands at the uh, table. Yeah. We, we still have to bring it from a top-down approach. There is all leaders encourage. In fact, when we write about ourselves, when we do our appraisals, when we write about our talent cards, we we declare which ERGR we associated with. So, and we pick, right? We pick the, as an example, I'm on Women in Action and Family Balance. These are the ones I am most passionate about as compared sure. to the rest. So I pick those. So it's a wonderful framework. Many companies have it. And if we can do it, you don't have to worry about sustaining it because it keeps building on itself, right? People build it up as they, it, it, it's got that effect, the ripple effect of seeping through the organization. And I'm so intrigued after hearing that these many ERGs exist in Dell. And I'm actually looking forward to maybe having a separate discussion with you to go through and really understand what these ERGs comprise of. And Absolutely. I, think, I didn't even name actually, a few of them. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> this is great. I think you've definitely given us uh, a good view of uh, what inclusion look like in a workplace and how it can be taken to the next level, but also nurtured at a ground level through ERGs, through these networks, which are run by employee and of course supported very well uh, from the leadership group. I just wanted to also touch upon the year that just went by. How has it been with you? Um, anything that you're grateful for and would like to share about 2020? Yes, interesting year it was, right? And right. I'm, we're hoping we come out of this to whatever sense of normalcy soon. Uh, but personally, I think virus aside and pandemic aside, I am I'm extremely happy with what happened with me this year and just the whole the quiet, the calm. I, I had a lot of quiet and calm time. And I think that's improved the quality of my life for sure. I sure. When we entered the pandemic in March, I was really worried because before that I was traveling pretty, I was on the road every week and I've never been home for so long ever. This is like the longest. I hadn't even been home for a month fully. So I was really worried and, and being a complete extrovert, I thought I'll miss people and so on, but things can surprise you when they happen. I actually am not missing it so much. I'm loving the quiet. I'm not missing people that much. Of course, we're talking to people digitally, but I think the quality of life has really improved. And maybe in this phase of my life, it's even more a gift uh, that I feel I, I, I constantly am thankful for this year on the personal aspect. I also think I was very privileged to be in a state where I could quickly switch to working from home without any problems, haven't been frustrated working from home, all of that. But I understand that's not been the same for a lot of people. So I, I think the one thing that stands out when we switch to working remotely, which is mm -hmm. the primary change for all of us beyond the pandemic, yep. is that it has reduced the digital divide. And here's what I'm saying. Even before this, we had the flexibility on work and a couple of people worked from home once in a while. But not every meeting was a Zoom meeting or even uh, or Teams meeting. Even if it was, if there are 10 people in the room standing around one laptop where Teams is happening and there's just one or two people wherever they are remotely, mm -hmm. they always felt excluded because, you know, technical, tech stuff. Not everyone's absolutely on a 
best headset talking nearby and so on. There are people in the room and the minorities outside the room working from home. And if they could, if they highlighted that they couldn't hear something or they didn't capture something, we always naturally, I as a lead of my own team have said, I'll sync up with you later then I'll tell you later. But that didn't happen exactly. They missed the essence of the meeting. Right. Now, now that everyone is on the digital platform, there's no, right. there's no majority and minorities just reduce the divide. I think our meetings are far more effective wherever you are. So when we come back, we have to see how we don't hamper this because we, we don't want to get into that situation again, whether we use technology to solve it or whatever. One last point on uh, on the digital divide being going away is also where in the geography you are, right? Yeah. It's just a flat 24-hour window for me. I decide how, if I have a midnight call, how do I ensure I catch up on sleep in the day or whatever, which wasn't possible earlier. So it's, to me, I feel it's expanded my day too much. The initial answer I was telling myself is because I'm not traveling, I have more time. Mm. But I think it's also this flexibility to take a break within a day, within the day, if you have to, and catch up later. And just, you couldn't do that when you traveled to work and, and so on. So incredible year, so many changes. I don't know how he'll come out of it. But personally, I've been much, much enriched by this uh, last one year. Absolutely. Yes, it has been a year full of learning for all of us. Definitely a lot of positives to take out of it. Grateful for all the time that we have spent, but also now looking forward with a renewed focus and with more preparedness. So with that thought, I'd like to thank you so much, uh, Vinita, for giving your time. I had a great time listening into all that we discussed today on the topic, which we are both so passionate about. And also fortunate enough to be at a position where we are trying to spread this word ahead and expanding the circle further. Absolutely. And and really best wishes for the series that kudos to you first for starting this and best wishes for how you take this forward. I'm sure it's going to impact uh, many lives and I'm really happy that you're doing this. Thank you so much, Vineta. I wish you a very happy 2021. Thanks again for being a part of this. Same to you. Thank you. All right, listeners, that was Vinita Guerra being radically candid in sharing all about inclusion with us today. Personally, her point about calling out microaggressive behaviors is the one that sticks out for me. Be an ally, call out microaggressions whenever it happens to you or to others in your group, because that is how we all contribute to create safe work environments. This is Amarjeet Sharma signing out. Be radically inclusive, stay safe and stay happy.